Brilliant. And we're back again for another episode of Friday Night Counterattack. And this one's going to be quite a fun one for me because I'm in the car as opposed to being at home recording as I normally am. So I'm doing a Safian for all of our early listeners from Friday Night Counterattack when he'd do his uh, podcast recordings in the car. So I'm looking forward to this. It's going to have a, a fun effect on me editing it back. But we've got a very special reason for me actually um, recording in the car because I wanted to get this guest on for quite a long time. And it's someone that I've met previously and I've known previously as well. Um, but he's doing really well for himself, alhamdulillah. And it's really good to see how um, he's doing in the world of football. Uh, he's a football journalist for the BBC. And it's quite crazy just seeing his name everywhere commonly because I'm just there like, I know that guy. I've seen that guy previously before. So it's good to see someone that I've, I've known and, and met previously doing really well for themselves in the world of football. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to our podcast. I know you can't because you can't really see it, but uh, welcome to our podcast, uh, Shamoon Hafez. So, Shamoon, thank you very much. Salam alaikum. How are you doing? You okay? Welcome, Sam. Great to be on. And uh, I'm sat here next to the heater, and uh, obviously people can't see you, but I can see you've got a big scarf on in the uh, in your car. So, uh, sorry about that. But uh, yeah, we uh, managed to fit it in. Um, been meaning to speak for a while, so um, yeah, excited to be on. Yeah, definitely. No, don't worry about me in the car. Like, I've been I've been working for like the whole day, so I'm like I'm boiling hot. Just a scarf is just to cover. I'm um, just to cover myself up from like all all this wind that we're getting here in, in the middle of England at the moment as well. But how's everything going on your side? How's work going? How's family going? How's your mental health going? Is everything going okay? Work is um, starting to pick up again um, with the teams, uh, all the football teams back in action. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the restrictions easing as well, I think um, we um, will start to see people a bit more. We're going to be in the office a bit more. We've been working out from home for the last two years so um good to see people in person rather than over zoom um uh, i apologize i apologize yeah, maybe in, in another time we could have done this face to face but yeah i'm uh i'm delighted uh getting back hopefully getting back to normal hopefully getting back to normal no, that's things we love to see as well because you're one of the um forgive me if i'm wrong but you're one of the journalists that likes to go into the ground as well and do the reporting is that correct when you have the yes. opportunity yeah. yeah, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of uh, reporters that had to do it from home, from Zoom, and, and I remember you being one of them. I know you wouldn't really be the one to ask the questions, but you'd be reporting, you'd be taking pictures from the stands and stuff like that. That was correct, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll get yeah. on to that in the uh, in uh, one to five uh, favourite moments. Oh, God, I can't wait for that. That's something, that's something that I've been looking forward to as well, because there's so much I've wanted to really ask you, to be fair, since we first met a couple of years ago. I'm just there, like... We, we, met at, we met at a wedding, so I'm just there, like, I can't be asking all of this when my cousin's getting married, so I'm just there, like, nah, it's not the one. But um, just to uh, make it all very basic for everyone listening, Shamoon, can you just explain what you're doing, how you're doing it, and what's been different since the pandemic's hit for, um, for yourself? So I cover um, mainly football for the BBC Sport website. It's the biggest sports website in Europe we get millions of um, readers per week and uh, mm-hmm. the bi- biggest hitting of those is uh, our live text commentaries so um, the minute by minute updates we do on uh, on every um, Premier League, Champions League, uh, in, in England International, League Cup, FA Cup, uh, you know champ- Championship, uh, Football League, whatever they will will do a live text on it and they're the biggest hitters where we get all the interaction from people on twitter people via text uh, pundits at the grounds 
pundits in the studios for Five Live and then us guys who are writing the commentaries itself. So, um, yeah, we're collating all that information together and then we try and make it as sort of humorous and um, engaging as, as possible. And then I also write um, the match reports, do, do interviews um, with people when the, when the chance comes along, uh, writing features. Um, and then I also like my snooker. So I'll cover the main snooker events that the BBC, BBC broadcast and um, a bit of rugby league as well. Rugby league's uh, a sport close to my heart because being from up north, it's, um, it's a sport that's um, we've, we've fully around us and we've consumed it growing up next to the ground in Batley. And, oh, um, yeah. Batley. Yeah. Batley versus Dewsbury for me. Like I have family in both those places, Batley and Dewsbury. So whenever Batley v Dewsbury would be on, it'd be on like um, Sky Sports as well. Yeah. And we'd just be there like just taking the mitt because we have family on the side of Dewsbury and yeah. family on the side of Batley as well. So we're just there like, oh my days. This game is like the only rugby league game from like the second division, I think, in rugby yes. league at the yeah. time. Yeah. And I'd just be like, yeah, I've got to watch this and we've got to watch this because we've got a, we've got a band to them as well, which is crazy. Because um, uh, from one of, the cam- one of the camera angles, we can see... The houses that we grew up in and, mm. and all that, yeah. Because speaking of Batley and Dewsbury, um, I'm just going to introduce Salem, our co-host as well, to the podcast. So Salem's from Batley, or is he from Dewsbury? Salem, what are we saying? You okay? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, how are you both? Yeah, good, yeah, thanks. Good, good, alhamdulillah. So Salem, we were just talking about how uh, Shamoon here um, was uh, big into football, big into snooker, but into rugby league as well. And obviously being in Batley and Dewsbury as well, Salem, you could relate to that. Um, as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm not so much into it, but uh, the Sky Sports stuff is all true. I remember when Batley Bulldogs used to play when we were like younger, some of my, my mates used to like go down and try and get on Sky Sports and stuff. It used to be a thing. Mm. I don't know about you, Shabun, if you guys did the same, but yeah, that's what people did. Yeah, we used, we used to go down uh, when we being uh, a typical Asian, this uh, we used to go down when um, we got free tickets. So, um, yeah, catch. Um, <clears throat> sit in the stands and try and pick the seats where you're probably likely to get most your face on the telly. I, I still do that when I go to Old Trafford, to be fair, as well. Like, I was telling my sister today, I was like, we've just rearranged our tickets to Man United versus Brighton. So we're in the south stands. So you know when the camera uh, follows the manager? I'm mm. like, we're going to be there. But mm. the last time we were, on, we were on TV, it was when <laughs> Harry Kane scored and Lucas scored twice for Tottenham. And we were on TV just with our hands in my head and I was like swearing on TV, but it cut away from me. So I'm like, thank goodness no one from work saw that as well. I do, it, I do it most uh, during the uh, Snooker World Championship at the Crucible. So where the yeah. players come out is where we journalists sit. So yeah. I, always, I always text um, home going, switch it on at 10 o'clock, you'll see, you'll see me while the players are coming out. Oh, that's brilliant, that is. I'll have to watch that next time because Raheel, who's not with us today, is a big Snooker fan and um, he's someone that watches snooker like religiously yeah. as well, so it's gonna it's gonna be good to get into that. But um, yeah, Shamu, just to get into the podcast a bit more, dive a bit more into it. I wanted to know a bit more about how it was being a, a football journalist of color. So for me and Salim, when we kind of helped start this podcast together, we were like, we don't really see many people who look like us in football media or football journalism, football broadcasting. But whenever I see your name, I'm always like, that's a little uh, glimmer of hope for the future of people getting into football journalism people getting into um, football match reporting as well. And for me, being a, a football scout, a football coach, 
and an aspiring, hopefully getting into professional coaching as well. Um, what kind of advice would you give for like the next generation of getting into football journalism for yourself, Shamoon, and how hard was it for you to get into it? So um, I graduated in 2010 um, from University of Huddersfield studying sports journalism. And there, there was another couple of Asian lads um, uh, on our course, but I don't think they're involved. I've not spoken to them for a while, but I don't think they're involved in sports journalism anymore. But mm. yeah, I sort of freelance for a year, rugby league for the um, rugby papers and then Yorkshire Post and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um then um, the BBC was moving up from the south to Manchester. So um, uh, I applied for one of the jobs and I got it broke through in May 2011 and then progressed, uh, you know, worked work myself from the bottom to where I am now. Um, Started from uh, the bottom, now we're here. Uh, yeah, brilliant. that's it. I, yeah, exactly what brilliant. it was. That's so, that <laughs> I think. Sorry, I had to get that in. I had to the get best, that in. Uh, I, I always get messages from, you know, students going or any work experience opportunities going. Mm. And so I, I had one earlier this week, uh, earlier last week, where someone who had previously had spoken to said, oh, any shifts going for the Winter Olympics? I said, it starts this week. Have you not had a look over the last two two months or three months? Like, do you not feel we We've got plans in place. You've left it a bit late now. And I'd sent him a link uh, to a couple of jobs that we had a couple of months back. And yeah. I said, oh, did you apply for these? And he said, no, nah, not really one that interests me. So I said, oh, that's fine. And, and I left it at that. But um, it left me feeling that you need to take any opportunity that comes your way because it's a step in the door. And then that will lead to other stuff. So at the moment, there's a drive, not just for BBC, but Sky Sports and every other major organisation for BAME staff. Mm. So people breaking through uh, from uni or looking for opportunities, they've never had it so good. So the advice to sort of Asian, um, you know, uh, for people who are, similar to us is that grasp any opportunity that you can because the, the, the organisations are looking at people like you and you, you need to get into it. Yeah, that's brilliant advice as well, Shami, because you're just there thinking like, it didn't really matter if you're into like bobsleighing or ice hockey or anything like that. It's literally just about getting your foot in the door because you can go wherever you you want to afterwards once your foot's in the door as well. And you never know, you may end up learning a thing or two by working on these niche sports as well. So I can understand from that point of view that it's just about making sure that your name is on 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 the piece of paper when it's going uh, BBC journalism because you see a lot of that with like runners and stuff like that now in um, sporting events, especially during the FA Cup this weekend. You see loads of students putting their names down and they've been like runners and uh, production assistants and all of that regarding like media work as well in the UK, which is brilliant to see because it shows the opportunities out there and it shows that these big companies and establishments are looking at hiring the next generation just like now, which, which is brilliant as well. Yeah, the biggest um, advice that I had that's always stuck is that it's sports journalism, not football mm-hmm. journalism. So yep. make sure football's, football's huge and the sort of competition around it is massive. So you need 
to sort of build your profile up. You're trying to try and build your profile up elsewhere before sort of you're not going to get to the Premier League from uni. So mm-hmm. you need to take a different route, different sort of build your profile up through other sports, other maybe maybe trying news or politics or lifestyle magazine or something like that, and then make make to build your uh, CV and your portfolio, and then that's will that will help you progress further up. Brilliant! No, that's fantastic advice. And Salim, when you were going through um, university as well, you went through that kind of that kind of route as well. But fortunately for you, you had the opportunity of moving into really good jobs as well. So, Salim, was there anything you could kind of relate to that in terms of like developing yourself and not really pegging yourself for one kind of area, but for different areas as well? Uh, obviously, I was a bit different because, like you know, uh, sort of different sports journalism. Um, my, my my brother was doing that sports journalism degree actually at Huddersfield, but um, I think he's still got a year left. I'm not sure what his status is, but I think with me, I sort of tried to stand out from the crowd by doing a lot of like voluntary work and trying to get involved with um, some like different extracurricular kind of stuff. So that sort of helped me build my CV when I sort of got my grad scheme. But, you know, since then I've tried to keep up that kind of stuff and, you know, it's sort of helped me become the person I am today, really. No, that's brilliant to hear. And it just goes to show that when you do extracurricular stuff as well, it makes it easier for you um, going forward as well, which which is the main thing. But um, Shamoon, thank you very much for uh, talking about being uh, a journalist of colour, being someone from an ethnic minority, because it will mean a lot to a lot of people when they're looking back at this. And if they needed to learn from someone, someone who's literally, whose name is literally all over the internet from your, like for me, what I found funny on a personal note, Shamoon, was um, uh, transfer deadline day. That was very funny as well. Seeing a lot of these references, a lot of these links as well, film references and all of that. I found that quite funny when I was looking at that um, the other time. So that was, that was quite funny from a point, personal point of view as well. Were you doing yeah. that one as well? Yeah, I was doing that on, on I was on the early one. So oh, on the early one, there's not many deals going on. Um, we went live at seven and then I came off about three, four-ish, but there'd yeah. only been two confirmed Premier League deals. So there's a lot of time to fill and um, that's when you need to be creative and think of ideas to keep people engaged and how, how to, um, you know, take the conversation on and, um, you know, just have ideas to bring people in, keep keep people entertained, keep people hooked on the website so that they keep reading for when, for later on when the deals start kicking in. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I can't, I'll, I would say I can't wait for the summer deadline day because Man United aren't really going to do anything as well, so I'm not really looking forward to, to doing that as well. I mean, do you support Man United as well? Um, um, Are you not allowed to say? I, in, for reasons of impartiality i shall uh, not comment on that that's fine that's fair enough because the, the only reason i asked that uh shamoon uh, we'll yeah. ask you off that's perfectly fine the only reason i asked yeah. that is because recently when uh uh khabib numagomedov came from um yeah. came to the uk he came to um came to manchester he went to liverpool and i think he went to man city as well but i remember you were spending time and you were interviewing him as well was that correct yeah, so um, he was up for the Everton game mm. uh, when Andros Townsend rather cheekily did a CU celebration uh, in front of uh, in front of the fans. Um, so yeah, he was up for the game, and then I went down to London to speak to him at one of the events um, they were organised by SKT Welfare Charity. So yeah, that was a great um, great time to spend um, 
with him and uh, you know just him speaking about he's the sort of the role model that we should aspire to look up to um as as muslim journalists you know someone yeah. so prominent that not afraid to hide that he's a muslim and that he prays and you know all the 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 stuff surrounding him the not wanting ring girls around and you know all the yeah, all the all the good stuff that he does. Um, so it's it's good it's good to spend time with him and uh, see him in person. He's really sort of really engaging person, uh, really funny. And he was yeah, that was one of the sort of one of the ticked off the bucket list uh, as for my career. That that's brilliant to hear because it's just like you said at the beginning, um, the fact that you could just be a sports journalist and you end up going through to different sports and obviously cross sports to to UFC as well, which is which is incredible as well. And kind of that kind of leads us into kind of leads us into that next segment of ours. Where I wanted to ask you, Shamoon, and I think Salim will ask you as well, your top five moments as a as a football journalist or as a sports journalist, as as you've now um, reworded it for us as well. So what would be your five starting from five going to number one? What would be your best five moments as a sports journalist? Yeah. <laughs> You reminded me of the um, Khabib one that wasn't even on my list. So, um, <laughs> like that just shows that how much it's going, to be a good list. it's going to be a good list then. If that's yeah, not in ten years, yeah. in eleven years that I've worked in there, I've you know done some, and I've had the chance to do some amazing work. Um, so, grow, growing up watching um, snooker, playing snooker, um, we used to go down to the club like three, four times a week. Um, Which club was it? Would Salim know it? Uh, it was uh, Batley Snooker Centre in Mount Pleasant, so not too far from the, not too far from the rugby ground, just uh, up the up the road from it, next to the old, um, the local grocer shop. Um, so you all you had all the uh, mums doing their shopping, and then the, the lads sneaking into the snooker centre where you weren't allowed. Mm. Um, because of the um, sort of uh, say, colorful characters, let's just say um, that were that were inside. So yeah, well, we uh, I'll make it clear we didn't get any we didn't get involved in any of the um, other shenanigans. Uh, we strictly um, like to play our snooker. So I had um, covering Ronnie O'Sullivan in uh, the World Championship, seeing him uh, lift record UK titles, Masters titles in person. And then just as one of my sporting icons, being able to interview him, doing lots of one-on-ones with him. Uh, that's five, number five on my list. How was Ronnie O'Sullivan for you, Shamoon? Was he okay? Did he have that dry sense of humour, that wit? Was he still okay um, when it being interviewed? Uh, he is a complex character. Um, he has good days and bad days. So I, as a sports journalist uh, uh, interviewing him, you don't know what sort of uh, mode he's going to be in. So, mm. uh, but he, one thing that he'll do is he's, he'll always give you a story. So um, whether that's him taking his shoes off while playing snooker or um, whether that's him clashing with the authorities um, about the schedule or wanting to create a breakaway Champions League, Champions League style tour, taking away all the players from the uh, World Snooker Tour itself. So like a breakaway league. Um, uh, so there's always something going on with him. So it's really fun to cover. 
Fantastic. So that's number five. What have we got at number four, Shamil? So four is one which touched on earlier, um, covering games during lockdown. So okay. I felt I, I was in really in a privileged position to be in the grounds when no one else was. So particularly being at Old Trafford, like empty ground, it's just us mm. journalists in there. You know, I really felt it that, you know, this is special and this is sort of, you know, we were, we were in in the midst of the pandemic, but sport was still going on, um, you know, in deep lockdown. And so it was quite... Uh, so quite surreal because you felt like a training session where you could hear every single thing that the players were saying, the coaches giving tactical instructions from the, t- the sideline, and you wouldn't usually get that during the match. So, who is uh, the funniest player to listen to when they're on the pitch? Like, could you hear someone with like a really high pitched voice or someone that you didn't think was very vocal? It's probably you, you wouldn't think De Gea's so, so much of a shouter. You know, he seems, mm. he seems like a bit of a quiet character, but. He was really vocal, um, as Harry Maguire, as you'd uh, expect, um, shouting instructions from the back, um, Bruno screaming, uh, you know, as you see him on the telly, he was, that was like how he was uh, uh, during, uh, during the games. But um, one uh, match that I went to was the Leipzig 5-0 win. Yeah. Um, and that was just in the week where Rashford's um, or the government's uh, meal stuff had kicked off, and he'd yep. scored he'd scored a hat trick in that game. I think it came off the, the bench, bench, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. off the bench. Yeah, so did a really good colour piece afterwards. Um, you know, linking him, um, feeding kids and uh, feeding the goals type. Of, I don't know, some some <laughs> some some um, cheesy Making like a that. Pun. Yeah, 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 making a pun, yeah, something cheesy like that. Um, nice so I think that that did. I think both the f- re- report and the follow-up did like over one million uh, page views. Yeah. So it just just shows the vast sort of um, the eyes uh, number of eyes that are, that are on the website and how many people come to consume our coverage. Did you ever get someone from like Man United or of like their press department asking you for any details or any information about that? Or nah, does that not really work like that? Um, no, you don't really get clubs asking for information like that. But you do have, you don't realize how many who who you don't realize who is watching and who is reading your content. So yep. there was there was one who. Um, I was covering a Newcastle game and um, I think Freddie Woodman had come out of the team. Yeah. So he was on the bench and I'd, in the earlier in the game, I'd put something like um, so-and-so had a shot and uh, I think Dubravka saved it. And I put even, even Freddie Woodman would have saved that. <laughs> and, and it like really kicked off big time. They were Newcastle weren't happy about that comment. I got emails from a number of people going take it down. So we whilst on the live, I was having discussions with my boss. Or oh, what should we do? Keep it or take it down? So in the end, just to keep a bit of the harmony between the club and the relationship between us and the club, mm-hmm. just to line out. Um, so hopefully, damage wasn't too done, and I'm still welcome at St James's Park. No, that's good to hear. Shamoon versus Newcastle United. Yeah, that, yeah. that'd be a funny story as well. Taking taking on PIF, imagine that. 
<laughs> I imagine that needs to be done. I'd, I'd love to see that as well. They're playing tonight as well. I think against Everton tonight as well. Um, it should be good yeah. as well. Uh, so that's number four. Uh, number three, what have we got for us? I mean, three, we've got um, England, England reaching the final of the Euros. So I was doing the semi-final match against Denmark, mm. and just a number of messages I got afterwards about um, what a historic moment and people were saying stuff like I was one of the first internet pundits to put England have re- England men's have reached a Euros final which had never happened before and the last major final reach was in 1966 so such a mo- uh, such a big moment um, that I got I got to cover and the uh, the million of page views that we had for that. And again, it was just a special moment that probably lived with me for, for my career. And it's only, three, it's only three on the list. Did you print that out as well? Did you frame it? No, I didn't print it out, but um, oh, uh, yeah, I have got it screenshotted. I've got it saved, tucked away in my nice. uh, um, work, work portfolio. No, that's good to hear. So now we're at number two. So you've had some three pretty good moments. So I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing what you've got at number two now. Number two is um, I've got spending two days with Sonny Bill Williams. So um, we, he came, he signed for Toronto, but it was sort of weird where a, Tor- a Toronto-based club were actually based in Manchester. So yeah. he was here. He came in to the offices to do a five live interview. So I spent time with him there. Mm-hmm. Then he did like a half an hour special for the iPlayer. Uh, so sat in on that with him. And then the following day, he was doing a presser in London. So I went down to that. I was with him again uh, all day there. We prayed namaz together with him and his people. And mm-hmm. then um, just speaking to him about that that piece almost got... So that piece almost got a million views and Mufti Menk um, shared it as well. Oh my god! So you had huge like, huge... like the Muslim assem- uh, Avengers just assembled right there as well. Sunny <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bill, Sunny Sunny Bill Williams and and um, Mufti Menk as well, which is crazy, incredible. So, yeah, a lot of uh, I got loads of it's sort of envi- viral because a load load loads of people were quoting what what he'd said f- from that interview, and then, you know, just so many people sharing it in WhatsApp groups and stuff like that. Yeah, you, you, Salem and I know about the fact that so many people just like share, like auntie just sharing, and yeah. you're just there like, oh, this is crazy. This is incredible. And no, it must have been brilliant for you as well. But if that's number two, I want to know what's number one. I mean, what have you so got? Number, number one, one had to be a football one. Mm. Um, and uh, this was an amazing four days I spent in Istanbul. Yep. Um, so there was um, a weekend where four of their teams were playing each other. So on the yeah. Saturday, there was a Besiktas v uh, Istanbul Basak Shahir, who mm. um, were the big rising power, uh, sort of um, rumoured to be backed by Erdogan, uh, looking to um, shake up the establishment in uh, Turkish football. Yeah. Um, they were on one weekend, on one day, and the next day was a huge clash between Fenerbahce and Galatasaray. So... I went over to both games. Uh, on the Saturday, I spent time with these uh, with the Besiktas fans, sort of in their district of Charshi, where you know you can just imagine black and white shirts everywhere in the narrow streets, singing, dancing, uh, chanting, going crazy before uh, facing one of their rivals. Mm-hmm. And, 
And then the next day I spent with the Fenerbahce fans in their streets, you know, they were just, just some crazy guys. And, you know, they, they're all Muslims. So I didn't feel sort of threatened or um, I didn't feel I was intimidated anyway. I could speak to whoever I wanted to. Um, uh, yeah. More comfortable that in the environment as well. Cause um, my sister, she spent a year in Istanbul last year and she, was, she sent me videos of like, when Besiktas won the league yeah. and then they were celebrating in the streets and everything. And it wasn't like um, streets being torn apart and like bus stands being broken and lampposts being climbed upon. It's like cheering and, and natural celebrations, but in a harmonious way that like, it didn't ruin the neighborhood basically. Yeah. So on the, the, those pictures were amazing. Like, cause they were on the Bosphorus. They tied yachts out to celebrate. And there's just pictures were amazing. So yeah, spending time with them and, just wanted to see how I want to do a piece on whether the sort of narrative that Turkish fans are thugs and unapproachable and uh, sort of you know violent and all that whether that's true or not but um, mm. from my experience um, it's not what um, it's not what I experienced and I did ask a few of them about that that you've there's this image of you guys. What do you think of it? And they said, what you see is Liverpool came over. He said, the Bishop Desran told me that Liverpool came over and we got on fine because they respected us, respected our culture, uh, respected our flag, respected who we are. So we had no problems with that. We were drinking with them all day and went to a match together and all that. But what the trouble happens is when sort of... Um, people come here to, and they disrespect us and yeah. maybe they want to pick a fight. So if they want to pick a fight with us, we're not going to back down. That was their view. So that's when the trouble happens. And then probably, obviously we only hear one side of the story. Unfortunately. But then it's like people like you who are who are there on, on reporting duty that would tell both sides of the story, wouldn't it be? be? Yeah, so that was not many. I don't think many journalists will have had the opportunity to do that. And... Uh, mm going there and spending time with them and uh, yeah it was, that was just amazing and if inshallah I get to, to the World Cup this year then that'll probably leapfrog to the top of the list inshallah in Qatar World Cup so Salim I know you have a couple of questions in your mind thinking of what to ask Shamoon after that top five list which I thought was pretty pretty impressive very impressive and Something that, even if I got one of them on my top five, that would be incredible for me as well. Not from the journalist's point of view, but just like seeing some of these people and understanding it from that point of view. But did you have any um, further questions for Shamoon before we go on to the next segment of the podcast? Yeah, just a few sort of quick questions. I understand if you can't answer it due to, you know, whatever reasons you have. But, GDPR. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> I was going to say, like, um, it must, not this isn't much of a question, but it must feel kind of strange, though, coming from, like, Batley. Uh, obviously, I grew up here as well, originally from Birmingham, but it must be weird coming from, you know, such a small town and you've had such a big impact. Like, whenever I look at BBC Sport, I just see, like, your name there, you know, written by Shimon Hafiz. So it must be, you know, you're sort of like a celebrity here, I'd say. So how does it feel being, you know, quite well-travelled and met all these people that, you know, loads of us would love to meet someday? Yeah, my, not to brag, but my Twitter profile's a selfie with Lionel Messi, so... Um... You can't uh, sort of uh, top that. Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? You got a picture of Lionel Messi? Yeah, I met him when he came over in, to Manchester. Uh, what? What, 2014? 2000. 
and 12, I think they was. Was that friendly? Yeah, 2014, you're right, November 2014. Yeah, that I went friendly. to that game. But what? Yeah. You, met, you, met Messi, you met Messi. So, I mean, you met Messi and it's not in your top five journalistic moments. What? Yeah, that was as a fan. I wasn't really at work, so it didn't really count. Um, well, yeah, yeah, well put, well put. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was about to get mad about that, but no, sorry, carry, carry on. Should we? So, um, yeah, it does. Uh, when, when I come back, because I don't get back to Batley much because uh, of work and stuff, but the main question I get asked is, are oh, you still at the BBC? Are you still working there? Yeah, who have you met recently? And what have you done? So it, it does. it's quite amazing that um, when I go back that, to see, oh, this is where I grew up. And what, what I'm doing now is uh, sort of what the dream is for so many people. And I'm sort of living that. Yeah, no, that's quite cool. I was going to ask you as well, um, has there been like a transfer that you've known about before it's happened, like a high-profile transfer? Have you known about it like way before like everyone else and you've just had to hold it in? Has there been, have you ever been in that situation? Yeah, yeah. So um, Robin Van Persie was one. Um, to Man United? To Man United, we knew about that before. And um, like, like you knew way before everyone else, like people still thought he was staying at Arsenal like yeah. that. Uh, no, sort of when um, right, like, at the start, right at the event. start of the negotiations, yeah, that and he was good, yeah, it was going to be Juventus, yeah, and we got told that he's going to be United, so the one had to keep quiet. Another one was Skulls coming out of retirement, yeah. Oh, wow, we knew that, about must that. Been, that must have been crazy because we see yeah. that story all the time as well of him going to Sports Direct, oh. getting a 50 pair of boots and stuff like that, 50 pound pair, uh, 50 pound boots, pair yeah. of boots, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that um, must be incredible. So um, I was out with dinner with a cousin or someone and I said, there's a surprise tomorrow on the United yeah. lineup. Keep a lookout. So that was one. Uh, that's another one. Um, those those I'm, are the two that spring to mind, yeah. I bet and when you go out to dinner in Batley and Jewsbury, by the way, you probably get like 50, 60% off meals because you're like, you're, like we just said, you're like the local celebrity as well. That must be the case, right? What's that again? Sorry. You must get loads of like... Like freebies and stuff, like living in Batley. Oh, I wish. Free. I wish. Yeah, um, I'm not at that level yet. Um, yeah. if, if I do, just show them. That. Just show them that picture of Messi. I have to find you on yeah. Twitter. Now. I have to find you. On, I'll, we'll follow you on Twitter. And then, I need to uh, find that picture of Messi. That was must have been incredible. Yeah, Sorry. I'm not. I'm not up to the uh, free boots and free uh, t-shirts and uh, free merchandise deals. Just Pay yeah, promotion. I have to. Yeah, I have to, yeah. You know when you put hashtag ad in your. Uh, in your tweets, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we we don't we don't have ads yet either, so we're not at that level. Yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe uh, no, yeah. sorry, sorry. sorry yeah. you. The final point is obviously me being like a Villa fan. Was there anything you could tell me anything about Villa, like any of their players or anything like that? Any sort of fun? Just anything that you you know had from them across the years that would be appealing to me? Because you know, I, I, to be honest, I'm like so obsessed with. Uh, what happens behind the scenes at a football club and you know how you just mentioned like when you're in lockdown and going to games you could hear everyone on the pitch like you know that kind of stuff is amazing like money can't buy sort of experience that but yeah I just thought anything you can tell me about Villa really Mm. oh you know recently that you could say that some people might know about or yeah I did I did Villa versus uh, Brent Villa Brentford at the start of the season and it's the first time I'd been to Villa Park but it's, it's one of the best atmospheres I've sort of uh, um, had the f- pleasure of experiencing and just uh, 
the the crowd was bouncing the whole, whole the famous whole end yeah uh, jumping up and down and during that match I saw so I, we stayed back to do our follow-ups and stuff um we do the match report and then there's a follow-up to do afterwards I uh, saw so like Konohura and on the pitch kicking a football about with his must have been his wife girlfriend and sort of a little kid and I thought well that's a bit odd you know he's just Brentford at home why has he done that and then a few days later he's moved on loan yeah where did he go to Swansea Sheffield Sheffield. United yeah yeah so then uh, sort of uh, made sense all right so he's moving on that's why he was just getting the last you know taste of the Villa Park pitch so oh if you're covering games that's another thing that always stay aware and always keep your eyes open and always keep your ears open to what's going on, you know, um, anything remotely sort of innocuous, just make a note of it because, you know, something, uh, it might lead to something in the future. Mm. Um, I didn't tweet about it because I did think it was that innocuous, but maybe um, if I did, uh, it had been picked up by a few Villa fans. Yeah. And uh, final question is Ronaldo or Messi? <laughs> We do tend to ask this question a lot to our guests, to be you fair. Just, you have to answer it, to be honest. Uh, for me, Ronaldo, just because that's uh, standing in that Stratford end, watching him. Um, well, why are you putting that face on, sir? No, no, no. It was, it was just the fact you mentioned Stratford end. So you mentioned you can't mention the team, so I'm, like, I'm making sure that we haven't yeah. re- revealed anything like that. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah, a yeah. Journal, as a journalist, you were there at, yeah. uh, in the Stratford Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I, had a, I got offered a ticket, so I thought I'd uh, sample the Stratford That's it, that's it, that's it. Yeah. We, we, we fixed yeah. it, we fixed it, we fixed it, we fixed it. Some, yeah, for some reason, I keep getting offered the United tickets in the Stratford End. Um, they love they love you in Manchester. And, and, I, love yeah. and I keep saying, yeah, I keep saying, yeah, I keep saying, yeah, I'll come with you. So um, uh, just watching him, you know, from... Or, or that period that he was there, 2004 to 2009, was it? And then again, uh, we didn't think it would seem um, sort of, uh, you know, you know, United shirt. And I remember being in line with that free kick against Portsmouth. We, mm. you know, it's just amazing. Arrowed into the top corner, one of the baddest goals we've seen. Uh, um, but you know, sort of during that Ronaldo, I, I love Ronaldo period. You know, he used to hate Messi because of the heartbreak he gave us so many times, 2009 and again 2011, that Barca team that ripped us apart. Um, But then, you know, as you sort of start working and you sort of, you have to park all your personal feelings and um, all the biases that that you have, Mm -hmm. you know, Messi won. What an amazing player. He's more natural, and whereas Ronaldo has sort of his route to the top has been more hard work and having to, you know, pull every bit of, you know, thing from inside him to be where he is now. And, you know, he keeps going. He just turned, what, 37, was it the other day? Yeah, 37 on Saturday. And still had a, you know, just what a sort of specimen he is, but whereas Messi just comes to him naturally, doesn't it? Is uh, glides past people and just that stroking the ball into the bottom corner, beautiful. Do you play football, Shamoon? Uh, I used to, not not so much anymore, but uh, 
okay. I, I didn't have the grace of Messi. I was more of a, uh, they called me the Asian layman because of my antics. Uh, in goal? In goal, yeah. Nicely done. We, we need an Asian layman coming out soon as yeah. well from the academies in, in England as well, which needs to be done. Um, but no, Shamir, thank you very much for that. Uh, it was great to learn a lot more about you from that point of view. But here on Friday Night Counter-Attack, we always like to offer our guests the opportunity of doing a, a six-a-side type thing, because we are a six-a-side podcast. We do like to talk about stuff like that. And you mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo, and you mentioned how um, you were offered loads of tickets as a, as a young journalist back in the day um, to go watch him at Old Trafford. But I'm just wondering, if you were to watch him in Italy, when a lot of play- players would have retired by then or go to the USA, when he was still like 34, 35 at the time as well, I just wanted to know, um, from your point of view, um, if you had to do an all-time six-side Italian team, what would it be and why? Because a lot of journalists nowadays, they all like to look at Italian football, the next best thing coming through Italy as well, is like Dusan Vlahovic, who I mentioned. But Salim and I will do six players that you have not picked. So we'll have to just think on the spot okay. of the players. That, uh, so you name your team and we'll think on yeah. the spot. Who we've got. I, I, think, I think we could just do a current six. Because uh, I think we've done we've done an Italian six from before, haven't we? Yeah, we'll do a current one actually. We'll see if the current one works well. Good yeah. one, Sam. We'll do that. You can do any. You can do an all-time one. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. just check in. Uh, uh, f- five of mine have have retired. I've done an all Serie A, but all Italian six. That's um, nice. And um, uh, five have retired, and f- one is still going on at the age of whatever forty odd. That he is, and that's Gianluigi Buffon. So, oh, nice. Uh, Palmer, isn't he? He's at Palmer, yeah, way back to where he began. So, he's my goalkeeper. He just kept his 500th clean sheet uh, a couple of weeks ago, and just uh, what a leader and mm. just what a goalkeeper. But that just a shame that the Champions League's uh, missing from his CV. Mm-hmm. Take so, Palmer there in a couple of years as well. He'll still be playing as well. Yeah, so he'll be playing well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back in Serie A. So yeah, Buffon's my goalkeeper. Who's uh, mm-hmm. who did you to have? Well, we haven't planned it. Seeing as Salim just changed the topic to current goalkeepers, but Salim, do you want to go for a goalkeeper or do you want to start with a defender at the back? What do you want to do? No, it's just because I thought that we already did one. Uh, we have we have done one. We have done. Yeah, we did. I'll I'll do a current one, Hamza. You can do your normal one. Um, no, no, we'll, we'll do it together as a current one. We'll do it. It'll be fun. Because we never think like this on the spot, so it's going to be fun. See, yeah, see if we agree or disagree. I was going to go Handanovic. You can't really argue that, can you? Because what, Handanovic, Szczesny, Rui Patricio. He's been doing his bit. He's, he's been doing the bit. I like uh, Straskov, Straskovka from Lazio. I think he's very good, but he's just yeah. underrated. He's a very good keeper. I think he's Albanian, but he's been yeah. doing it for a yeah. number of years as well, but... Handanovic, he's our goalkeeper. So we've got Handanovic current against Buffon, who's still currently playing as well. But we'll give yeah. it to you. Legendary player. Yeah. That has to be. I covered Strakova um, at the start done. of the season. Strakova played against England, uh, Albania, in the um, yeah. 5-0 uh, at Wembley. Uh, and, um, come on, come on. You, did, you, didn't, you didn't help my case, though, Shamoon, when, when Albania got battered 5-0. Yeah, well, got battered You've just you've just picked a goalkeeper who's shipped five goals uh, against England. <laughs> That's true. The worst choice possible. But no, Buffon wins this round. Who have you got in defence for your sixth side? Uh, I've got a couple of uh, uh, one centre back, uh, Fabio Cannavaro, who uh, mm-hmm. I was 
I think in between him and Nesta, but Cannavaro edged it because he won the Ballon d'Or. But you yeah. know what? What a graceful defender and uh, sort of could rough it up. Um, Ballon d'Or winner as well. Yeah, Ballon d'Or winner, and he was amazing during that 2006 World Cup win as well. And um, you've got um, I've got the versatile Paolo Maldini next to him. Yeah. You can yep. uh, play centre back. He can uh, shift around. Uh, at the back in your six-side team, you can put him anywhere, and he's got the captain's armband leading, uh, leading from the leading from the back on this on this case. So yeah, just uh, his longevity and what he won, and part of that Milan team, one one club man, the loyalty that he showed, even though Fergie tried um, signing him on, on a number of occasions, he uh, never sort of. Uh, um, you know, he wanted to be where he grew up and where where he where he was born and stuff. They they call it AC Maldini for a reason. Yeah, literally in modern times, it's, it's literally the case as well. So Maldini and Cannavaro at the back. Salim, are we going for one defender or two in our Italian six aside Serie A six aside current team? Well, I have one, but it's not going to be better than them two. So I I was thinking Chiellini versatility yeah. longevity. It was either Chiellini or uh, Scrinia, but I mean. There's no point comparing to them two, so Shimon can yeah. have that. Yeah, Shimon's got that, but we're going for just, we'll just, just go for just yeah, we we'll just go for just Chiellini. I think our strength is going to be in our attack, but we'll see what Shimon's got in midfield and attack. So Shimon, you win this round. Obviously, you're going for the two defenders. You got your your goalkeeper. Now you got three more. Where are you going to go? Midfield or attack? Uh, I've got midfield with uh, past master Andrea Pirlo. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, feeding my me, feeding my front man. We've got him uh, patrolling the centre of the pitch, pick a yeah. pick a pass with the eye of a needle, and um, yeah, um, just again, he was uh, not wanted by Inter Milan. Inter Milan thought, no, you're not good enough for us. Went to it. rivals AC, and then uh, you just see what he did there. And then AC thought he wasn't good enough, and he went to Juventus and still. Ended up winning most trophies there. Yeah, the, the dominance literally followed Andrea Perlo across his his career, basically from from what I've learned about him previous years as well. World Cup winner as well in two thousand six, Euros finalist in two thousand twelve, where he just dominated that tournament. Incredible player to watch. Um, this is this is worrying now, Salem. Who do who do we go for in a in a midfield? I, I think we have to go for two midfielders, don't we? Because we've got four players left. So two midfielders. Yeah. I'm gonna choose. Who am I going to choose? I'm going to choose Nicola Barella. I'm a big fan of him. Everyone on the podcast knows I love Nicola Barella. I think it's fantastic to watch. It's an absolute joy of an attacking midfielder. And I really liked him under Antonio Conte last season. So here's my choice for this uh, Serie A six aside from my side. So, Sam, who are you choosing? Yeah, so I, I sort of went for like a three attacking midfielders and one up front, but um, yeah, so we'll, I went, we'll, we'll go so for, we'll for Insigne, Dybala and Chiesa as a three, but probably yeah. get a bit more balance would work. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick I'll pick Chiesa, I'll pick Dybala. Dybala's done it for a number of years for Juventus. He's just in and out of the team, unfortunately, with all the different changes of managers. So we can go for Dybala, Chiesa and Barella as our midfield three, right? Yeah. Brilliant. That's I, good. I, I won't pick Chiesa, he's injured. Yeah, he was, he's just one of those things that when you see yeah. when, when we saw him at Euro 2021, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was just a joy to watch. And he wasn't really yeah. a classic Italian winger. 
be taking on players. He'd be doing the same thing for Juventus as well. There's another player that Juventus have got from Fiorentina, just like Dusan Vlahovic, who have who they loaned in and they bought originally. And this is incredible because it's someone that I would love to see in the Premier League. He'd do really well, I think, for a team like Liverpool. He wouldn't really be a good uh, Pep Moulet merchant, but I think he'd be extraordinary under Jurgen Klopp if Mohamed Salah were to leave um, Liverpool. That's my that's my opinion, but obviously I don't want him to see him at Liverpool. Even myself, I'll be honest, I didn't I, I didn't really watch Serie A much. I used to follow it a bit, you know, following like Alexis and Lukaku at Inter. Uh, yeah. I knew that obviously Ronaldo was there too, but I used to look at Dybala a bit more. And, you know, I, I didn't expect Chiesa to be as good as he actually was. When I saw him play Euros, I was really shocked by, you know, how how good he actually was. So, he, him him, and Dybala are two players like I'd love to just see in the Premier League one day and, you know, it could happen and it would be really lucky to see if if it did. Just just not at Tottenham. They've had they've had already a lot of events. Yeah, not, not like somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah. Answer rumours for us. But... And Tanko, what a signing for Spurs. Yeah. Villa wanted him as well. Salomon yeah, Villa wanted him. We were linked, we were linked, but we've got, we've got bigger plans. I think Bissouma might be the one in the summer or somebody else, but let's yeah. see what happens. Moon, can you give us an, an, an exclusive? Did Benzincourt reject Aston Villa for Tottenham? What happened there? I'm not you sure. I did see. I did see they were in talks with him, um, but I, I think they may have pulled out, knowing yeah. Spurs were in for him rather than going head to head to Spurs with him. But um, yeah, b- brilliant player, and you just saw from his cameo the other day that sort of ball control and just keeping it simple. That sort of of players like Carrick that United are missing now, when who can actually well they they have they've got a player called Donny Van der Beek, but didn't give him a chance, did they? No, it's yeah, I personally rate Van der Beek. I think he's a really I think he's a really good player, and I think he's obviously been underused, which isn't any secret. But sometimes with players like this, when they go to a club, another club, and they get a fresh start, you know, you sort of realise like the talents they have. I think it's like that with some other players that are quite underrated sometimes, like. For Ben Tanko, for example, like I was reading about him and there was a lot of like negative comments about him and stuff. But just from his cameo that day, you could see he was a talent. He is a talented player. Mm. Ball control is a priority in it. You know, I love seeing that in Syria. I know it's a slower game and a lot of people don't really like it in terms of entertainment. In terms of technicality in football, it's fantastic. And uh, I'm now scared of what Shamoon, of who Shamoon's going to put in for his, for his strike force now because this is, Kind yeah. of worrying because he's got so many legends to choose from. Yeah. And I'm here I'm here thinking of like Edin Dzeko as our main striker, which is no no disrespect <laughs> to Edin Dzeko, but he's not on a part of some of these legends that you're going to pick. Yeah, I've got... Uh, so I've got two men up front. Uh, I've got Francesco Totti um, mm. playing off. This might be a surprise to you, but I used to love watching this guy play and just uh, power and the his build and how he used to bully defenders. Got Christian Vieri up front, um, phenomenal striker. A one, uh, literally like a jackhammer of a, of a left foot. Yeah, ridiculous just, power. Yeah, on the on the old Pez, he'd he'd have hundred shooting power, wouldn't he? Uh, just thumping thumping the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, used to love watching him play. And um, you, if you remember, uh, you, you, well, you guys might be a bit young for this, but he used to be up front with Ronaldo, and one yeah. of the greatest partnerships that sort of didn't didn't really work out for them in the end um uh it's the inter back then were a bit like united now uh, 
trying to buy all these superstars, Roberto Carlos, the Argent, um, just couldn't, couldn't win any trophies until the, that Mourinho came in. And uh, so, yeah, I've got the totally against such elegance on the ball and uh, longevity uh, as longevity well. One again, club man. Yeah, leader, one club man. Uh, close to signing for Real Madrid at one point, but his heart told him to stay at, stay at Roma. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, brilliant. Again, another World Cup winner as well. Nah, you again. You've probably just battered us, Salim. I don't know. I don't know why you changed the topic now because as I'm looking <laughs> back at it, Salim, what happened was when we did an Italian pod, it was an Italian national pod, so it's about the Italian team, not Serie A. So, yeah, but they they've all played Serie A though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, they're, they, they're all. Shamu's yeah, kind of just helps us out. We can compare that. We can compare that team as well. It's fine. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, but no, who are we going for as our strikers? No, we've got, we got, what, Chiesa, Dybala, Barella. So now we've got a striker to make our sixth player, right? I was going to go for Latoro. He was my oh, choice. Latoro is a banger. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just, I'm just there thinking, like, I, I've been lucky to watch Latoro Martinez live and he's a fantastic young prospect. And I want to see him at the top level a lot more as well in the Champions League. He's going to be playing against uh, Liverpool in a couple of weeks as well. I want to see how he does in that game. Edin Dzeko has been doing it for a number of years for Roma. That comeback against Barcelona, especially, was incredible. But I don't know. I don't know. Who do we go for? Do we go for Jeco? I'll, I'll go for Lautaro. I think he's fantastic, and it will look better on paper as well. But Eden Jeco deserves a big shout out from his move from Man City over to Italy. He's been doing it for a good number of years. 36, yeah. 30, uh, 35, 36 years old as well. Fantastic striker. Again, Shamu, what happens is there'll be loads of people listening. They'll complain. They'll be like, "Oh, you left out this person, that person," but. I enjoy it when we don't really prepare for it. We kind of just change our mind on the spot. So um, our team that we've got, we have, um, I forgot who we have. Uh, we've got Lautaro Martinez, Chiesa. We've got um, Dybala and Barella. Then we've got Chiellini at the back. And then we have, um, who's our goalkeeper? Handanovic, isn't it, Salem? Yeah. We've got Handanovic. It would have been Donnarumma, but he left to go to PSG. But then the, the other thing I was going to sort of mention was, um, what was it now? Yeah, for, about Dzeko, actually. Like, he's somebody I've always rated. Like, before Man City signed him as well, I remember signing him in Football Manager for Villa, and he was amazing on there. This is like FM 10 or 11, so it's going back quite a long time. Him, like him and Graffiti at Wolfsburg were incredible, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, it was something like that. But to think that Inter obviously had the financial issues and, you know, the, all the sort of problems they had over the summer and Mancini leaving and... All the rest of it, you know, they ended up um, selling Lukaku for what was it, ninety-seven point five million, and then again, Jekyll for free, and his returns being just as good. So it just shows yep. the sort of talent he has. Definitely, if not better, even as well because of the experience, the the better ball control as well, and his hold-up plays a lot better as well. Tidier, I would say, and replacing Hakimi for Dumfries as well was a, was a stroke of genius as well, which was incredible. Um, yeah. Sorry, just a quick one. I was going to give a shout out to Tammy. Um, so he's done really well at Roma since coming over. I was surprised you didn't pick him, being a, a former yeah. Aston Villa player. No, no, I, I'm honestly really happy for him. I thought he was good in that Chelsea side, and I think he was a bit unfairly treated. He was their top scorer, and you know, obviously, he just didn't fit in the plans and got shipped out. But no, I'm really happy for him. Nah, that's good to hear as well. He's, he's currently the top scorer, top English goal scorer this season in any league as well, which is incredible. So. 
nicely done there, Tammy Abraham. Um, but yeah, nicely done, Shamoon, as well. So we're at the end of the podcast, Shamoon. Um, if I could have another episode with another hour in, in a couple of months' time, I would absolutely love it. It'd be great. I just wanted to say personally, thank you very much because you're someone who I've wanted on my podcast, on our podcast, for a good number of, of months now. So thank you very much for your time. Have you enjoyed your time on on the podcast? Have you been have you been okay? We haven't been annoying you or anything like that. No, um, I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it, and I'd, I'd definitely come back on uh, when uh, uh, you said you'd, you'd have a few more mates on, but uh, they've not turned up. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just been like this for for a couple of weeks now. So we'll see when when they're back on it, and hopefully yeah. they'll. They'll be joining us now as well, which will be great. Yeah. Uh, my lights in my car have switched off. Yeah. There we go. Let's just turn the engine on. That would be a good outro for the podcast, but no, that's cool. Um, Shamoon, thank you very much for your time. I just wanted to let you have this little space just to say where anyone can find you, if they want to follow you on social media, whatever it is. Um, you can just let our audience know. Yeah, uh, just on Twitter, Shamoon Hafez. Uh, you can follow me uh I don't tweet much. I probably tweet around United games because um, uh, for know, journalistic I've, purposes. For I've got friends who keep, as I said, who keep inviting me to the ground. So um, yeah, gotta keep, gotta keep them happy. Needs to be done. It needs to be done. Yeah, I'm, well. I'm there on I'm there on Saturday covering the game against Southampton. So um, see how it goes. That's good. That is. to be fair, Stylem has a lot of Man United friends who offer him tickets as well. But being a Villa fan, he tends to refuse quite a lot as well. <laughs> which is a good um, but no, Salem, any outro messages from you before we leave? Um, no, nothing, nothing. Uh, hopefully, three points tomorrow against Leeds. So, a lot of um, a lot of the lads in the office are Leeds fans, Leeds United fans. So, I had a lot of banter with them over the last week or so. So, so yeah, hopefully, three points tomorrow. That's it. No, that would be good. And yeah, just from me, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Everyone, take care. Everyone, enjoy the rest of the season. Follow Shamoon on Twitter. And I'm going to literally just find this Twitter page and any, any moment soon and be like, what the hell has got a picture of Messi? Incredible. <laughs> um, but no, right. everyone, thank you very much for nice listening. Take, take care. Thanks for having uh, me. Goodbye. No, Cheers. Okay, anytime. Cheers.